Well, hey there, podcast listeners. Today we have a special treat because our daughter is home from college for a day or so, and we're talking about how to talk to your parents about anxiety and depression and emotional kinds of things because probably most most students out there uh, don't feel like the lines of communication are open. So Trace, Kenzie, welcome. Hello. Hi. Ken, do you think this is a big deal? Um, do you think that this is hard? I know we're going to get a lot of your story that hopefully will embolden parents and teenagers to be better at talking about this. Do you think this is hard? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's very common for college students to struggle with this because it's a huge change and a huge time in life where you're just kind of forced to face everything. And yeah, it's hard. Okay, so for you, Kens, when was the first, this will be good. In fact, I, I want to encourage our podcast listeners, uh, parents and teens, this, it probably would be good to actually sit down together and listen to this one and maybe be ready with the finger on the pause button and pause and talk about it as you go. You can find this online at flextalk.org in our family section. If you want some discussion questions to help you out, we'll, we'll be covering some of those. But Kens, for you, when did, do you remember the first time you were aware of your ang, you know that you were that you had anxiety, because it didn't just happen in college. We'll get to that too, but it happened before that. Yeah, I think the one day I really thought, okay, this isn't normal. Is one day I was going to the post office because I had to send something out or something, and I was like hyperventilating and crying in the car, mm. and I didn't know why, and I like I just had to run into the post office and do something, but I just. Like, my body was having this reaction, and I didn't know why, but I knew, okay, this probably isn't normal, and I should probably talk about it. But did you? Because I don't remember ever hearing about that. No, I didn't. Why not? Why didn't you tell us? Uh, I don't know. I think home was a safe place for me, so even though I would have panic attacks like that or I would feel anxious sometimes, I could come home and feel safe and secure and not be stressed out about that stuff so I think I was just able to cope with it okay and I was able to figure out like coping mechanisms to help me get through it yeah and I think that's the key probably for a lot of teenagers is that then when you add the stress of college and change in living situations and schedule and away from family now those coping mechanisms that you used or could rely on to help you through more of those panic attack times you didn't have that anymore yeah, yeah exactly yeah so Kenzie for for your friends and we won't mention names but you know some of your friends dealt with probably anxiety and whatever and maybe emotional issues but for for some of them why do you think that they the ones that didn't share with their parents what do you think some of the common reasons would be that they didn't open up to their parents about mom, I feel anxious or dad, I feel depressed or, you know, or whatever my mood swings are, or, you know, whatever. Like, what do you think some common reasons would be for some of the people, you know, girls and boys? Um, I think sometimes the attitude can be just suck it up, deal with it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes parents can be quick to write it off because, you know, maybe they remember feeling that way or something. Um, but what maybe they don't realize is that everything is so magnified today because of social media and mm -hmm. we're just constantly like bombarded with everything and it's there's a reason the rates of uh anxiety and depression are so much higher today 
So I think that parents a lot of the times just kind of write it off and say, suck it up, get over it, you'll be fine. But it's not that simple. Did you feel like that's how we would respond to you? Like when you had that first attack that you talked about going to the post office, what prevented you from saying, I have got to tell my parents about that? I think it was just my own ego. I Mm. just didn't want to admit. I wanted to come off as like strong and Mm -hmm. confident. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to like say, hey, I just cried in the parking lot of the post office Mm because that doesn't go along with how I want people to view me. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's good. And I think that that's where the journey has to start. And I think eventually, Kenzie, for you, your anxiety became, you were less and less able to cope or to do some of those things that it got to a place where you're like, I need to admit that this is a problem. And I hope that for teenagers out there and parents listening, like, you know, Anxiety and depression is a real thing. And it's not something that you just wish away. Mm -hmm. And you need to take it seriously, especially to the teenagers. If you feel like you have thoughts of suicide or wondering, is this life worth living? And you have those kinds of thoughts, then you really need to tell your parents Mm -hmm. and to reach out to a professional. Now, for Kenzie, as your mom, you know, I can see how you would say how you because your persona is very even keeled. You don't have a lot of ups and downs. We've praised you for that, that you're very hardworking and even keeled and not over emotional about things like sometimes teenage girls can be. I see where you're going with this, Trace. What? That maybe we set her up yeah. for not being honest with her her emotions because we said, we just love that you're so even keeled yes. and not over emotional. Ken's, you can be honest with us. Is that was that part of it? Do you think part of that setup is this is my identity? I'm the even keeled kid, and and this seems weak to me. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit, probably more subconsciously. I mean, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was directly thinking like that, but yeah, that absolutely played a role into why mm-hmm. I wanted to just kind of stuff it down for so long. Okay, so how long did you stuff it? Did you remember then, like the next time it happened, and the next time and. So that first time was maybe 16, 17? Yeah. Okay. So then was it happening more and more as the end of high school approached for you? Yeah, I think there were there were certain things that would make me super anxious, like giving a presentation at school, but that's pretty normal. Most people, that would make most people nervous. Um, starting to think about college, you know, that would kind of stress me out a little bit. Um, but then once I moved away to college and... I didn't have those coping mechanisms in place anymore and I couldn't escape it. That's when I really, I couldn't stuff it down anymore because I felt like I was going crazy and losing my mind. So that's when I really was pushed to the edge and had to tell you guys. Now we'll get to that in a second, but I want to hit pause for a second and and just note something. It's really pretty impressive to me, Kenzie, that you're, you're on a podcast talking openly about your anxiety and and your emotions. So students out there who are listening to this, I would just encourage you to really to take a cue from Ken's. Kenzie, I, I would imagine you probably couldn't have done this maybe when you were 16 or 17, or this would have been a little bit harder. When we said, hey, get on a podcast with us and talk about this so that parents and their kids can can understand how this works and be more open about it, right? You probably wouldn't have done this three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah. But now... 
I just, I realized that by me keeping it in and not talking about it, that's only making me feel worse. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by talking about it, and I think, you know, among my friends, I know I had the reputation of having it all together. And I was the one that, you know, was super driven and focused. But I, we all have our stuff and this is just happened to be what my thing was. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be honest about it because I don't want to make people, I don't want people to think of me differently. I want people to know that I struggle with this too. Yeah, because I think the strength is in being authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think, Kenzie, to your point, that was something we had to work on. Your personality is more of a stuff emotion down. You don't really look to get into confrontation. So from a young age, we were kind of like, you know, I remember in junior high when I could tell, I could see something was wrong. Like, Ken's, it's better to talk about it. It's better to process it so we can help you think it through Over time, you got a little bit better at that. But I think when it really started to hit you, when anxiety and panic attacks hit you, you realized, whoa, I can't within myself, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning. And in fact, I think Brian, for for you and I, that was Mm -hmm. when I think the light bulb really went on for us as you Mm -hmm. went off to college, you know, you would call home and say, I'm having a hard day. Okay, well, I remember having hard days when I was in college, too. I wasn't I still wasn't really getting it. And I think it's important to say, like, I'm I'm a trained counselor and I was mm-hmm. missing cues. Mm-hmm. I should have known better than that. I should have caught on to certain things and I didn't. So I'm th- so thankful for that time. She came home on the weekend and you just said, here's the truth. I'm just struggling. I'm not, something's not right. I need help. Yeah, and I'll say this, Trace, you, you are a way more attentive. I'll just confess, you're way more attentive to both of our kids than I am. So... Um, moms and dads out there, listen to <clears throat> listen to this because hopefully you'll be more like Tracy than than like me. That that I might not notice the cries for help. I I might not listen for that or the tone of voice or whatever. That I might not be as present in a phone conversation. But mm-hmm. Trace, give some tips for how to do that. Well, yeah, I just think, you know, I would just when we would talk on the phone, I'd just be like, "How are you feeling today?" And again, it really, the onus is really on you because you could have lied. You could have, like you said, in your ego, just like everything's fine. But I could see it in your face. I could hear it in the words you were saying. Like you, there was a sadness and a stress that was beyond just I have a hard exam or my roommate's messy. I mean, it, it was deeper than that. And so parents, what I would say is open conversation, asking questions, and then just being ready to listen And then when you would say something like, I'm just really struggling. Well, what do you mean? How are you struggling? Ask more questions. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, I remember feeling like that and then making it about you or your experience. Right. And this is good, Trace, because again, you as a trained counselor, you know what to listen for. But a lot of moms and dads out there would be like, okay, let's say that I know my kid, but my kid says, Kenzie, what you said last year to to Trace, to your mother, um, uh, you know, I'm just really struggling. And you didn't even maybe know how to put put words to it. You didn't really know how to even explain it. So Tracy, for you, you would dig, could you, could you be more specific? Give me an example. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? You know, explain your emotions to me. Again, parents, for you to know, you don't have to be a trained counselor to, to try to uh, put your finger on or help your kid put their finger on it and not make them feel like they're bad or broken or wrong or weak. Oh, right for feeling this way you know you're not dismissing it you're engaging your kids whether in junior high high school or in college yeah like you could use scaling questions like on a scale of one Mm -hmm. to ten how anxious do you feel right now Mm -hmm. 
Um, is it affecting your sleeping? Mm-hmm. Is it affecting your eating, your energy level, your interests? Those would all be good questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Ken's, I think for you, you would have said at different points, like you weren't sleeping. Nope. Mm-hmm. You weren't eating. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I, school has always been, I've always loved school because that's where I excelled and that's, I love to learn. And I was, you know, going to college is such a huge opportunity and I was really excited, but I just, I couldn't sleep at night and I would go to class and I couldn't focus and I would do homework and I couldn't focus. And it just quickly started instead of being these one-off things that would happen every now Mm -hmm. and again, it started being every day, 24 seven and just affecting, yeah, every part of my life, like you said. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let, let's talk about these two things that for a lot of people listening to this might be a part of the solution for them, but, but some, par- some parents and kids wouldn't even consider these things. So what I'm talking about is medication mm-hmm. and therapy, mm-hmm. okay? So first of all, Kenzie, for you, the thought of medication, how would you just instinctively respond to that at the very at the very beginning of this, right? If we were to say, well, I wonder if maybe, maybe you need to go see someone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My first thought was no way. I don't, I don't want to be on medication because I, you know, I feel like my brain should do its job. My brain should Mm -hmm. be doing what it should be doing. I don't feel like, you know, maybe it's actually not that bad. That was one thing I was really Mm -hmm. worried about is because you can't, you don't know how someone else is feeling in their own head. So I was kind of worried, like, maybe this isn't that bad. And maybe I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to say, nothing's wrong with you. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did end up getting on medication and it has made a huge difference. And I have realized that it's anxiety is literally an imbalance in chemicals in your brain. Mm-hmm. So getting on medication, it even those out again is mm-hmm. a lot of the times all you need to do. And I remember like that was key in the process for you. We, we were proactive parents, even though your kids, if they go off to college, like, I mean, even as adults, we need help sometimes. When we're struggling, we need someone to come alongside mm-hmm. and be like, I'm going to be the person that takes action. So we made a doctor's appointment and I just went and sat and listened. You talked, the doctor asked you questions, explained different things, and I just listened to try and understand more about where you were. And, and then the medication was helpful, but we also had you meet with a counselor for a few sessions Mm -hmm. until you felt like you had some of those skills, right? Yeah. And that was helpful too? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I have a little bit of a unique situation because I've grown up Mm -hmm. with a mom that's a counselor my whole life. So I feel like I already had a lot of those skills, but for someone who, you know, if I didn't have you, that would be huge for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think especially for for students out there who who are thinking, okay, mom and dad love me, but they don't, you know, they don't have the skills that that Kenzie, your mom has. I think it's this is what you're saying, right? It's even more important, probably, yeah, for that student because it was even still important for you. I, I think you heard a lot of the same things you've heard from your mom, which was good, yeah. But but it still was helpful for you, and I think it'd be even more helpful for for a student out there, yeah. And I want to go back to Ken's. Maybe it's good for you to share. Um, what the what our family doctor said with said to you when she first recommended putting you on a little bit of medication because I know what she said was really helpful for you. Yeah, yeah, she said, 
I know that it's hard what you're feeling right now, and I see a lot of people. Mm -hmm. This is very common of people your age in your stage of life. You're not crazy. Like, this is Mm -hmm. real, and we're going to help you. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. I just wanted... That's all I wanted, someone to help me. Yeah. Right. And she said, and this might just be transitional. It might be for this period in your life. It might be for six months or a year, but it's not... I, I know that for us, our part of our concern was, man, if I start medication for anxiety or depression or whatever, is this, I'm going to be, you know, Ken's, you're 18 years old, right? Am I going to be hooked on medic, hooked on these medications for the rest of my life, right? That's a legitimate fear we had, and I'm sure a lot of people have. Yeah. But Kent, Trace, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. I know, I know medication is really advanced and is really... Mm-hmm is really mm-hmm. changed, especially in this area for anxiety. So maybe you can speak to well, that. Well, and if you're in a, if you have a family doctor that's worth their weight in gold at all, I mean, you, you, you play with a dosage. I mean, you, you are on a very small dose that then the doctor's like, if that's not working, then we'll up the dose. And, and when you're ready, or you feel like you want to try and go off that we can start to wean you off. Like there's ways to, to go on, there's ways to go off. Um, you know, they've really made a lot of advancements. And the point is, it's a biochemical issue. So you don't say to a person um, with diabetes, like, just will yourself through it, you don't need insulin, right? Mm -hmm. Anxiety and depression is a real thing. And medication can be a very helpful tool to that. So why wouldn't we pursue that? And the doctor said medication with therapy that that together those are the best. You know, the medication helps you get kind of gets you to a place where now you can talk and start working on some of the sources of your anxiety. Because I think understanding, you know, I think Ken's for you. Maybe you can. I don't know if you're willing to be vulnerable here, but I think part of what you realize is it's kind of a control issue, Mm -hmm. right? That you, in some situations, you feel anxious because you don't have control over that situation. And you're a type A person and you like having control and in your own little world and in your own room and your own, you know, studying and knowing what the expectations are, you feel fine. But then when you go into a new situation and so therapy helps you to understand this is also a control issue and you've got to learn to release some of that control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me moving to college because I was used to living in a very structured, Mm -hmm. clean Mm -hmm. house where there weren't a lot of people, you know, I had a lot of space to do my thing and do whatever I wanted. And then I got to college and it was a small room and I had a roommate and I didn't have control over anything. I had a very small space that I could keep clean, but then my roommate didn't have that value (laughs) so then I was you know looking at her mess and that made me feel anxious and then you know she would stay up later than I wanted to and it just all kind of it was a snowball effect and yeah and that's therapy definitely helped me realize that it's a control thing for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay let's talk a little bit about self-medication because Ken's I know I know you noticed this in college this was an insight you had you don't drink you know, you have mm-hmm. reasons you don't want to go down that path, which we are very proud of. And so you're not a drinker. You're not going to go party. Um, but I think you noticed that you were kind of the odd one out in college. And so I think for a lot of people listening, and it does, this doesn't just start in college. This mm-hmm. can happen in high school, maybe even in junior high, that people are having emotional issues, anxiety, depression, whatever else. And maybe mom and dad's not listening or they're not talking or they're not sure what this is about or 
whatever the case, they, they end up self-medicating. How, what are some typical ways that a student would self-medicate? Yeah, I think partying is number one for sure. And then boys mm-hmm. or girls, mm-hmm. I think, you know, just filling your time however you can mm-hmm. in, in whatever way that can get your mind off of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, that's definitely something I realized because I went into college knowing I didn't want to be involved in partying and drinking and all that stuff. Um, and I realized I looked around and I, you know, I know I don't, I'm not alone in feeling this way. And I know a lot of other people feel this way, but they, they are living for the weekends. They can get Mm -hmm. through a crappy week. They can get through a stressful test because they know that Friday night they can drink it all away and they don't have to, you know, they'll be Mm -hmm. completely loose and whatever. Um, and my best friend, I know she felt very similarly to how I felt, but she got a boyfriend, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. And her mm-hmm. boyfriend's a great guy, but um, that just filled her time and was a way for her to not think about it. Mm-hmm. But I was just kind of forced to really face it head on because mm-hmm. I didn't want to just dis- I wanted to face it head on. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know numb yourself yeah, or numb myself. distract yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So listen to this, uh, you know, students and parents out there, listen, because, because this is something even maybe some parents need mm-hmm. to realize about themselves that they anesthetize themselves, you know, for years, um, to escape the, the core emotional issue that, and so they've never learned to deal with that emotional issue. And, Ken's, we're proud of you because yeah, it is. You have to face. You have to have courage to face it head on and say, "I'm going to try to understand what this is about," rather than just cover this thing up. Because the reality is, Trace, maybe you can go into counselor mode here. Does it ever work to cover it up? What do no. you? It's like you're kicking the can down right. the street. You're going to eventually have to deal with it. Right. What happens is that that stress, that anxiety, stays there, and then the next one builds on the next one and the next one. You're like building a tower of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. None of it goes away. It's there. It might you might be able to push it down, but it's still there. And so it's amplified with the next experience to the next to the next. And that's why I would really encourage students and teenagers. I, I really am so proud, Ken's, that you were able to finally come to us and just say, I'm really struggling and I need to be honest and admit to that. Because it will never work. It will, it will come back. It will continue to haunt you, so to speak, if you don't deal with it, if you mm-hmm. don't talk about it, if you can't, you got to just hit it straight on, have that conversation with your parents, have it again and again and again until they understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Talk to a family doctor, to a trusted person in your life and just say, I'm struggling and I need help. The quicker you can admit that, the quicker you can get to some real um, release mm-hmm. and growth, right, Ken's? Yeah. You're further along now than you were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So families, if you want to talk more about anxiety or depression, you can find, um, so much more on this on our site at flextalk.org. Um, just keyword, uh, anxiety, depression. Um, this particular topic is in there and so many more, you know, talk about it. It's so important for for both student and parent to really kind of put it out on the table. It might be hard or awkward at first, but talk about it and, uh, and you can experience some victory in this. And so that's what the tools at flextalk.org are all about.